to be in the presence of a comedian for an hour a week is a treat for me at this point. Well, two hours a week now that you've got Joel. Tell me um, what? <laughs> hey? Oh, look at you getting in right in there. there. That's good, Tim. James earns millions from internet marketing. Tim's got millions of questions. Welcome to Freedom Ocean. Now, jump on in. Welcome back, everyone, to episode 71 of your favourite of your favourite Freedom Ocean podcast. I'm Timbo Reed, and over there is Jimmy James Shramko. G'day, Timbo. How are you, mate? Good, good, good. That's what you get for uh, us having too long a delay between episodes. Correct. Correct. <laughs> and it's all your fault. Well, interesting. <laughs> it is to the extent that I don't want to work on Sundays or do yeah. anything really late at night anymore, which I, I guess you probably find quite a shock. Uh, no, I always found it a shock that you worked weird hours. Yeah, well, I'm back to much more regular times these days, mm. and it's been great. Actually, one of the best things I installed is Rescue Time, and it's free, and it emails me a weekly report of how many hours I spent at the computer. And does it tell you what you were on? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And it's uh, that's quite confronting. Well, not for me because I I'm not like other people. You know? Hey, Jimmy, Jimmy, yeah. what is confronting for you? Well, I'd say I'm less easily confronted than other people. When was the last time you went, oh wow, like that? You know, like just crazy emotional. Oh wow. Yesterday, I was driving the car and I heard a radio announcer, Cinderella Ball, and they said that there was a, a horse and cart arrived to pick her up, and she was quoted saying, "Are they real horses?" <laughs> and I'm like, it was confronting to me that someone could be that dumb. That's silly. Yeah. Well, I don't know the context of that story, but maybe she. No, that's it. Really? Literally, was she just like, what else could it be? <laughs> you think like a mechanical horse? It's like, oh, are they real horses? You know, but we, I don't know, maybe we even do it when we're podcasting, but people do say funny things when a microphone's on or when, you know, the camera's on. I was listening to the radio earlier today and someone said, uh, yeah, look, the, the emotional events of your, of your life really are your birth, your wedding, and your death. It's like, yeah, well, really? Really? No, there's a lot more emotion than that. Well, they were actually saying the most emotional kind of uh, celebrations or however you want to look at it type thing, but they just it just seemed obvious. However they put it, it seemed obvious, but sometimes when the microphone's on, you kind of... Well, it's like I'm talking tomorrow. I'm talking in front of 300 people tomorrow, and I just did my rehearsal earlier, and it's like, oh, you know, you just want to make sure you nail that so then you don't go off on tangents saying silly things, which I will do. There is no doubt I will say a silly thing from stage tomorrow, but then getting a laugh kind of eases the nerves anyway, so I don't mind. Well, I just did a video about this which was professionals don't wing it. And I really think that if you are presenting for a living, you should tighten it up and have a core message and make sure that you hit home with the key points. Oh, man. You're not wasting people's time. You want to talk about that? I'll talk about anything you want, Tim, <laughs> ironically. <laughs> you know, and, and we're not really wing it because we did discuss a topic and we like to, we did. We like to talk about what we will talk about and get the most value. But I, I feel like I should close that first question there was nothing in my weekly report that was confronting uh, because it's all worky stuff. But the reason that I'm not confronted that often in business is I think that I'm more honest with myself about business and that's where a lot of entrepreneurs fail. What do you mean by that? Well, they're not, they're not really being honest about how long they spend on the business, what activities they're doing, 
what their chances of success without preparation are. I think they're in la-la land sometimes. And the more honest you are, the more responsible you want to become, mm. the better you will be as an entrepreneur. You, a word I would use to describe your approach to the way you run your business is brutal. <laughs> brutal? Mm. Oh, no, no, no. Oh. And I say that lovingly. I don't mean like that. It sounds like such a harsh word. Well, it, it kind of is. I, actually, I don't mind brutal as a word. It, it could be construed as being uh, aggressive or it could be construed as being lean and decisive and don't take any prisoners. And Well, I would, I would just say direct because yeah. if you look up brutal, it well, says savagely it violent. Well, that's not going to do you any favours. <laughs> well, <laughs> savage, cruel, bloodthirsty, <laughs> vicious, ferocious, barbaric, well, wicked, no, I, I murderous, cold-blooded. Hard hearted, harsh. I think you, you probably look at the Oxford Dictionary. I, I referred to the, the Timbo Reed Dictionary, and uh, it's full of terms of endearment, brutal, which is one of them. And <sighs> you, know, you just kind of you're right at it, you know, like, yes. Direct. Direct is probably a better word and sits more comfortably with you. It certainly does. <laughs> <laughs> you do take things personally sometimes, Jimmy James. Well, I think we all take things. Well, personally. we do. You mean We're quite still... self-oriented in the world. I still remember suggesting that you're a bit nerdy in the way you dressed last time I saw you, and I did back it up by saying geek is chic, but you kind of got your nose out of joint about that, I think. Well, I think we were talking about the fine differences between an authentic polo and a pretend. <laughs> we were. <laughs> I think I might have had a fake Ralph Lauren, and you, had the, uh, you were packing the Lacoste. This actually came up today on another podcast I did on my new podcast and my co-host was talking about his friend who got a real bargain in, I can't remember where he was, it was somewhere in China and he got bargain watch and bargain pants. Yeah. He went up to do his comedy routine and his pants split right down the back. He Perfect. Got, he got on the aeroplane to adjust his time for the new time zone and the hands like fell off. Uh, it was... Uh, quite comedic but the real message was of course that it's sometimes worth having the right you know the nice thing the good one the one that lasts yes yeah absolutely absolutely but the plant the pants splitting is kind of good because that played into his comedy routine the watch not so much well it was even more hilarious because the pants he got on special were those levi's engineer pants the ones uh. that were supposedly designed <laughs> by engineers to be like the perfect jeans right they were quite quite fashionable a while ago. I'm sure you haven't heard of them. No, thank you. Thank you. As a little dig. <laughs> Me being the fashionista that I am. We've both got pink shirts on our profiles these days. Well, pink shirts kind of been a bit of a signature of mine, although I might it might have done its time. Might be time to move on. Hey, um, some good topics coming up. We were gonna launch into I think we will still will, mate. We might Put that other topic aside for another time, which was about, you know, being on message and also the fact that pros rehearse. Two very, very, I would call them pro tips. And I just was lucky enough to present at a showcase up in Sydney last week where a number of speakers, professional speakers spoke and just saw the, the quality of, of, of them, you know, just nailing their story, being on message walking off stage, leaving people with one thing to consider, not a hundred and, you know, mass confusion. And it was, it was, it was really good. So Sounds kind of like as tight as a TED talk would be. Yeah. Well, my talk tomorrow is 18 minutes, which is a TED talk. That's great. Yeah. Well, actually, I'm flying over to uh, New Orleans to deliver a 30-minute presentation. Mm -hmm. It's quite a special trip for me because 
this is the 10th conference uh, of the series that I went to number four, and that was like a pivotal point in my career. And, you know, it's like the six years later returning to to talk about the changes that have happened since then and how... What's the conference? Uh, it's called Underground. Uh-huh. It's run by Yannick Silva. Uh-huh. And really looking forward to sharing that story. I've, I've been delivering different presentations at each of the places that I go in the last year. Like, I've covered such a range of topics that, you know, everything from podcasting to what's holding you back from your first seven-figure year to, you know, the journey. This one's about, uh, you know being there in that moment of of really having to make everything work all everything had to line up for it to work and i managed to mm. to make it through like a good hollywood blockbuster mm. through brutality <laughs> i took the direct path <laughs> <laughs> so well that's good mate underground who goes to underground it's kind of uh, well actually it's a lot of very wealthy people go it's more than half the audience from the the studies that they do making a good you know six or seven or eight or nine figures like real mm-hmm. real heavy hitters in the industry it, mm-hmm. it got a reputation for being not a pitch fest and and not the the sort of worn out traditional speakers it's more people actually doing things who come and share it just because they've been sought out and it, that, that's kind of cool about it but there is a good vibe i've been to four Five, six, eight, and I'll be, be at ten. So f- mm. five out of the last uh, seven. Yeah. Cool. How many go? I think there'll be about five or six hundred. Right. And it changes city each time? Yeah, I've been to it in Washington and Los Angeles and this time New Orleans. Most often it's probably been in Washington. Mm-hmm. I think probably three or four of them. It was in London and it was in Los Angeles. And, uh, yeah, this will be interesting. I don't. I actually haven't been to New Orleans, so I'm really interested in the culture there. Yeah, very much so. How long are you going for? It's sort of like a week round, round trip, you know, leave and then come back close to a week. Right. Yeah. So, Jimmy, um, let's talk about the helpful business because something that's been kind of a um, little sort of concept I've been toying with lately and, and as I reflect on a lot of the marketing that, I mean, really both you and I have been doing for a long time now. It's been, you know, you'd classify it as being helpful. And I'm seeing a lot of businesses of late, yeah, jumping on the kind of wagon of content marketing. And that all comes down to being helpful, making your your customer more informed, helping them make a better purchase decision and kind of pulling them towards towards you as opposed to pushing some kind of sales message on them. Yeah, and I think our show is a great example of that. We started it. Yeah, you know, seventy-one episodes ago, we sat down with the idea to share some ideas on the the popular internet marketing models, answering some of these big unknown questions. You could definitely mm-hmm. classify it as a content marketing helpful show, and we even have mm. the ability for people to send us messages, which we respond and and we answer the the questions that people ask us. So I think it's been a good vehicle for that. Hence you know why i've been able to start some more and to really develop that into into a super brand on my main side and you've been building your super brand the whole time and when i ask mm. most people where they found out about me a lot of them say oh i've you know followed freedom ocean and i i was originally came from small business big marketing that thing is a an oil tanker out there in the ocean <laughs> of content you know it's laden to the deck it is mate it's a, it's a hard one to turn to the idea of a helpful business, I, I, I love I love businesses that identify what the true problems are that their customers and their prospects have got and go about answering them. And I was only 
talking to an old mate the other day, Dazza. Dazza had been a long time mate and he's he's had a boat selling. I, this is really an example of what I consider a helpful business. This is a boat sales business, he, a boat yard, right? And about two years ago, he made the shift to becoming helpful as opposed to, you know, he, he'd lived in the world of classifieds for a long time and he took the turn to start creating content that was helpful. He put a web camera on the lighthouse that sits outside his boat yard, which happens to be at a marina, and people can access the weather conditions on the bay 24-7. So that's helpful. He wrote a book about the book's called Honey, Let's Buy a Boat. Uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> is it all the things someone goes through when they're considering boat ownership? Correct, correct. Nice. And it, he's just answered all those questions. He creates a, a video each week on a Thursday that is a news report on what the, what the weather conditions out on Port Phillip Bay are going to be doing for the weekend. And everything he's doing is very, very helpful. And, you know, there's always a call to action. I think the call to action makes it not art because if, if, you, you know, if you're just creating it for content's sake, then it's really art. But at the end of the day, he's trying to sell boats, but he, um, he goes about it in a very helpful way. So for me, that's an example of a, of, a, of a real business being really helpful. I don't know if you, have to, if you have to say it's not art because of the call to action because a lot of people refer to stuff like Mad Men you know, the the Kodak Carousel episode or whatever it was, you know, as being kind of art when you when you have a true film and they've got sales hooks all through them, product placements and stuff. I haven't seen that episode, but I, I think anything that does, I mean, you, you've at least got to say where is this content from, whether it be a logo at the end or, you know, seeding stuff throughout the actual content at the end of the day you've got to have something there's got to be a commercial hook to it well i think the real art is when you are selling but people don't feel sold to when you Mm. really get a a hit actually i went through a couple of questions for some of my clients today i added it to silver circle and these are things that you might want to consider when you're coming up with your business offering and positioning and, it, and maybe we could run through a few and you've probably got a few to add to the list as well mm-hmm. to be a helpful company. Mm-hmm. I guess it really helps to know who your ideal customer is. Yep. And I'm sure Dazza has a fair idea of that. Well, and, and if you want to go deep on that, it's not about a demographic kind of answer. It's like, and again, it comes back to, I mean, for me, getting under, getting understanding of your ideal customer would be what's their central question? That What's the big question that they have of all the questions they have about the category the industry in which you operate what's the really big one that if they had the answer to they'd be a lot closer to buying yeah so that's sort of bordering on something like the magic wand solution what what if you could if the customer could wave a magic wand what would mm-hmm. they wish for what it, yeah. and, and it's sort of you dig that out with things like well, what is the biggest challenge they're facing right now like what's the well, obviously buying a boat would be a huge challenge. Mm. Uh, <laughs> very expensive and awkward <laughs> one, I imagine. <laughs> then there's a few other cool things like why is your solution the best? And and it can't be price or service because those two service is just a generic throwaway line these days, and yep. pri- price is not the position you want to be taking unless it's maybe high price. And there are a few brands that can pull that off where they're always wanting to be the highest price in the market. But it's mm-hmm. pretty rare that that's going to be your hook. 
Yep. Well, and yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, there is that old thing if someone's got to be the most expensive, may as well be you. But that point, what you're touching on is the point of difference and that point of difference can often be something intangible and that's, again, like why being helpful can be a point of difference. It's pretty hard to find a tangible point of difference these days. I mean, so many products and services are the same, just differently packaged, differently branded. I think you, I think there's a clue, though. I, one of the things is how can you give away something that feeds your bigger solutions, right? And the second part to that is how can you name and claim it to be unique to you? And an example of this, in the very crowded marketplace of the internet marketing, I really push that phrase, own the race course, and people know that phrase belongs to me and they understand what it means and people talk about it. That's what, that's when you know it's really stuck, when people talk. It becomes part of the language. They, it's part of the language that people refer to it when they're talking to you on podcasts. They start mentioning it in forums when you're not there. And the, the whole idea, I mean, I really came in with this whole new concept there's other people out there with stuff like, you know, be everywhere and, and mm. all of this stuff. But I really put that concept of you want to own your own assets, especially with the big threats like Facebook and Google sort of dictating to you, you know, give us your best content. We'll determine what we do with it and, and how we control it. And you'll have nothing. Mm. You'll be lucky to, to play on our race course. I'm like, well, screw that. I'll build my race course. And I will. Th- I'll just let you guys know when it's there, and you can keep coming back if you like. But uh, it's you know. Well, well, to that point, uh, another example would be Simon Sinek, the way he packaged up that whole finding your why. You know, like that's an old concept, but in that he's packaged it in a way that he owns it. You know, and people it become. You know, it's kind of like you mentioned his name and the concept in the same breath, although it's not really his concept. Yeah, so you could rework an old concept or you could come up with a new concept or you could bundle together a few things in your market. I really like what your friend Daz has done because he, you know, when you mention the name of his book, it's really catchy mm. and he would own that. I mean, he already immediately recognizes that the true decision maker yes. is, is the wife. Yeah. That's very clever. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so no, it, it's changed I was only talking to him this morning about it, talking to him this morning about it, and it's changed his business. Uh, the other th- the other fundamental change that he talks about too is that at the same time as becoming helpful, he realised that he was, wasn't in the business of selling boats. He was in the business of connecting people, and that was a real, it was an emotional shift. It, it's a shift from the rational to the emotional. So in in selling boats, it's kind of like it's it's a transaction, whereas he what's he's fa- what he's found is that putting someone on a boat it's getting a kid off an ipad and getting him on the water with his mum and dad it's bringing mum and dad together it's being bringing a group of blokes together to go fishing and he's he's selling experiences he's he's selling lifestyle selling boating and that and and what does that mean to someone it's the experience and it's not that far removed from what i used to do in selling cars i was actually selling yeah. motoring and, and the feeling that someone gets when they slip behind the wheel and the, and the, the acknowledgement and acceptance and the excitement it's definitely an emotional thing mm. it just it happens to be really expensive uh, so you have <laughs> to test out your metal now i think there's an element of trust that you can build up if you're using content marketing and putting out audios videos or or uh, media rich stuff then that really sort of covers off the why should someone believe you aspect because there's a lot mm-hmm. of people lining up to get your attention 
And I think people want to know if they can trust you or not. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Have you got some other questions there, Jimmy, that form part of this initial process? Yeah. So uh, aside from that, it is how do you want to be perceived? Like how do you want people to think about you when, they, when they're thinking of your brand or your name of your business or you if you are the business? Great question. So it's all about personality. Yeah, and then an extension of that, and I was speaking to a friend of mine today, Francisca Iselli Hall. She was saying, what do you want to be known for? And importantly, it's sometimes helpful to say what you don't want to be known for. So you can really disqualify people with that one. It's like we, we believe in this and we don't believe in that. I like that. You know, like if you were forming a mastermind, you could have a, a no dickheads policy or something. Yeah. So with yeah no yeah yeah. So you could you could screen out the people who aren't right for your solution, and that helps people identify with you. Mm. What else you got? I reckon I, I like that no dickheads policy actually because I was just reflecting there. I, I actually know of an advertising agency that's got that on their <laughs> terms of business, and they don't use the word dickheads. They go a little. They're a little bit more brutal, James. <laughs> a little bit more brutal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right, and the correct application. But that's all about knowing your personality. I think, again, you know, like a helpful business, it's all very well to be helpful, but also being clear on how you want to be perceived and how you want people to describe you because, again, that's a point of difference. Like it's a big, big point of difference to own to own a particular personality, a space in people's mind. You know, you look at uh, – use the example. I've just finished his book, Gary Vaynerchuk's book, you know, left uh, jab, 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 right hook on social media. And – Vaynerchuk is a classic example. I mean, there's no shortage of social media consultants out there, but he's his personalities and his <laughs> he's also quite brutal, by the way. Oh, he's he's hardcore. Yeah, he's hardcore, and he sets, but it sets him apart. It, it gives him he owns that position. There is no one else like him. Polarizing, love him or hate him, but it's it's um it's interesting. And do you love him or hate him? I love him. Yeah, yeah, I. I I just like people who are black or white, you know. I just think that's. I, well, I think in his case, I, he's when I went to Underground Four, I saw uh, references to Wine Library TV, and I went and checked it out, mm-hmm. and that's you know where I really got the seed of the idea. I think for making all these videos because that guy was pioneering the channel and doing such a great work with it, and it, yeah. and selling an actual product. That's the bit a lot of people in the internet spaces, they don't have anything to sell. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have, I mean, he had a wine store yes. to sell stuff. So this is, this works beautifully. Content marketing paired with an actual offer, something that people can buy is the key. And I'm sure you're finding that when you've paired a uh, community on top of your podcast, it mm-hmm. actually, you now have something to sell in keynote presentations. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was, I was a classic example of, I, I started podcasting, close on five years ago and I, I podcast I started podcasting a because an amazing opportunity came up to use a, a, a professional sound studio um, which you don't need by the way and the other opportunity <laughs> was that I just saw it as a, just a great way to share knowledge and it wasn't until you know quite a while later that I started going oh shit, geez all of a sudden people are wondering wanting a bit more of me you know well I remember you you used to have a co-host and that that partnership changed because I think, you know, there was effort involved and not enough monetization. Mm-hmm. But when you hook up a monetization vehicle 
really changes the name. I mean, like, here's me. I'm a classic. I'm just starting my next podcast because I just I think it's the the best thing ever <laughs> to introduce yourself to new people. Mm. They get to know you. You can help them as much as you possibly want. And I know that maybe maybe one percent of the people mm-hmm. who listen to a podcast mm-hmm. will go and buy something. Hopefully, yeah, pretty cool. Ten percent, you know, a hundred percent would be fantastic. Hundred and ten percent would be amazing. However, there's no real extra cost. Those extra ten or twenty or thirty or fifty thousand downloads a month aren't really costing. Uh, a whole lot extra to find the buyers and to find the people who really want to develop the relationship and improve their lives faster and invest in themselves. So it's such a great vehicle. What's the new podcast called? Kicking Back. Kicking Back. And is the, what's the aim of it? So you, you, you've, co, you've got a co-host <laughs> with a comedian. Is it, is it? Yeah, my co-host is a comedian. So one of us is funny in the mm-hmm. show, which is good. And, you know, hopefully the comedian will get on board and start Yeah, you wish. You wish. <laughs> You're the one kicking back. Well, you know, I want to treat my uh, kids to a better standard of dad joke. So, Hey, nothing wrong with dad jokes. <laughs> Something uh, wrong with my dad's with jokes. Dad. I want to break the cycle. <laughs> so anyway, we get down. We, we Basically, we're just catching up for coffee through a mutual friend. And every time I mm-hmm. meet this guy, we just laugh. And I thought this mm-hmm. we should record this. So the aim of this, you might find it strange, but I want to go into a very broad general market, more of the Hamish and Andy, general mainstream, not internet businessy savvy type people, just just normal people who might listen to a comedian and, a, and an average guy who can put the show together, talk about mm-hmm. stuff. So we, we actually sort of have a tagline that it's unapologetically hypeless and heartfelt. Mm. So we're, we're genuine uh, we're unhypey, and we're just having a chat, and we've recorded four episodes now. And I th- well, here's one observation: it's nowhere near as tight as our conversations. After 71 episodes, we banter back and forth like uh, a well-oiled machine, and I, I notice the difference immediately mm-hmm. because I'm speaking to you, mm-hmm. I'm speaking to Ezra, and I'm speaking to Joel, my new co-host, and. The, the first few episodes are always a little bit awkward yeah, when yeah, you're getting yeah, off yeah. the ground, just to find first you know, where day. You're, yeah, where do you jump in? Yeah. You know, what, where, where does the line cross? And it's, it's been really fun going through that whole process of setting up the artwork and the intros and the outros and the website. But, of course, the goal will be, be, be helpful in some way. If we could entertain people, then I think that would be helpful. And if it helps him book comedy gigs, it would serve his needs. Mm-hmm. And if it introduces a few people to my world, then mm-hmm. it would be great. But, honestly, I would record these episodes just for the entertainment value. To be in the presence of a comedian for an hour a week is a treat for me at this point. Well, two hours a week now that you've got Joel. Tell me um, what? <laughs> hey? Oh, look at you getting in right there. there. That's good, too. So, Jimmy, um, you will uh, – I've been for the first 80 episodes of my first podcast, Small Business, Big Marketing, I did have a co-host in Luke and it worked really well, really well. And co-hosts, it sounds like an easy option for anyone. We're kind of digressing a bit here but – I'm sure there's a lesson in it outside of podcasting, maybe business partnership. Yeah, business partnerships generally. Um, You need to have, my advice to you and Joel is to get through that awkwardness is to just have a really honest um, relationship on the air and off the air. And if there's stuff that's pissing you off about what he does and vice versa, you should talk about it. And Luke and I were pretty good at that. I think I pissed him more off more than he pissed me off, but it was just a good, healthy relationship that kind of m- meant that we had good discussion and it was about not agreeing with each other. 
That's it. Sounds so boring when when you hear two people talking and they're agreeing with each other. That's really boring. Well, that's been I think one of our formulas, and certainly mm. worked with with Ezra because him and I couldn't be more different. And right. Also with Joel, we we definitely disagree. One thing we've noticed after four episodes is I think we hardly ever complete a topic. We I think we've opened about a thousand loops because <laughs> we we move so quickly from topic to topic yeah. that we we sometimes just can't get back, but. Uh, he has told some wonderful stories. He, he's able to set things up in a way that you and I could only dream about oh, because he's yeah. so, so practiced with that. Yeah, I was going to say, you, you will, um, you know, unusual to say, but you will learn a lot from someone, from a stand-up comedian. I don't know him. And that, that's, that's yeah. why I'm doing it. I've, I've learned a lot from you. From you, I've learned how to set up a podcast because you sent me over the brief, you know, build this type of site, use this mm-hmm. plugin and hooked it all up and you introduced me to the naming conventions, the setting up episodes and show notes. These are all foreign mm, concepts mm. to me. I fully credit you. you with all of that introduction. You know, here's the podcasting mm-hmm. world. And if you recall, and we talked about this many episodes ago, I went and retrofitted internet marketing speed at the time. And fast forward, I switched that across to super fast yeah. business. But then I set up with Ezra and a year later and 40 odd episodes, that thing's mm-hmm. flying. And now with the new one, it's going well. But Ezra's taught me the softer side, the hippy dippy emotional mm-hmm. stuff, and Joel is going to make me much funnier. I'll hold you to that. I think that. Well, he's going to help me develop stories and yes. and work on my misdirects and bring out another flavor of me. So I like I like doing something new. Actually, I'm really embracing that yeah. the challenge of learning a new craft. Well, it's funny, you know, I um. The gig that I spoke at last week in Sydney showcased lots of different speakers. One of them was a comedian. Uh, got to know him, and he was he was tremendous. Just they do have, have an amazing ability to create story. Another another one of the speakers was Australia's youngest entrepreneur, and he's won it four times and blah blah blah. But he great guy, great guy. Twenty six years old. He came off stage and he'd nailed it. He he had twenty minutes, nailed his story, had a beautiful arc in it. Just kind of just told a great story that was both entertaining and inspiring and motivational. And I got talking to him later, said, you know, wow, you know, you, you did not write that. You did not write that. Someone wrote it for him. And and I was right. And it was two comedians. There you go. Mm-hmm. I, I, and it goes back to our other point, which we're going to cover in a future episode, mm-hmm. but we already covered Yes, <laughs> Professionals prepare. Yes. If, it's it's really worth doing. And most people in the, in the entrepreneurial space – are really going to try and just wing it. They think they're God's gift to the universe and that, that they can do anything. They've got massive confidence. And the reality is if you do a bit of prep, you're going to get a significantly better result. Yep. Yep. No doubt. No doubt. Now, that was a massive dig- digression, big loop. Well, let's, um, let's bring it back on bring topic Bring it back then. on topic. Helpful businesses. Why don't we just wrap it up? Yeah, Why don't we? A couple of tips. Rapid fire rapid, tips. Well, rapid fire tips. Any examples that come to your mind of yeah. businesses that have been – it's interesting, you know, even Australian examples. I um, It's very easy to identify lots of American examples, but I've actually found it hard to identify helpful Australian businesses at a really deep level. Any businesses that come to mind for you, Jimmy? Well, some do. I think eWay are pretty good. They mm-hmm. send an email thing. They, they suggest that you can have better security by installing a particular thing. And if you're interested, just reply back, yes, I'm interested. And then mm-hmm. next thing, the phone rings. That's, that's pretty helpful. <laughs> that's cool. They're making it easy for me. Certainly my own business, I make it really easy for people to get a hold of me. Most people are shocked that they can just call my phone and I'll 
uh, most of the time I'll answer. Mm-hmm. And being contactable is a great way to separate yourself out from people when you're online because there's that sort of perceived you never really know who you're dealing with. Yeah. And uh, you know, they're three layers deep on a help desk and they, there's a no reply at email. We've talked about this yeah, before, yeah. but being yeah. reachable, being uh, contactable, and I think you do that on social media as well, right? Is yeah. that you will actually have a conversation with someone. They can find you and engage with you. Yeah. Love it. I mean, I still I don't get I don't know, there is a, a danger when you go down the podcasting or video route that you can overbrand yourself and I don't get that. You know, the whole reason, surely the whole reason you want to become a helpful business and go down that route of creating useful content is that you want to engage with your prospects. I mean, if you don't want to speak to people, run an ad. <laughs> you know, like run an ad, don't put your phone number in it. Uh, run a brand ad. Well, I actually, I spoke to a service provider today in the morning and two hours later he was here, did the job in three minutes. Yeah, right. And he was gone. And I was thinking, wow, you know, this is this is service. Yep. This is this is quality stuff. And too often you could might leave a message, not hear from a company for like mm. three weeks, and you finally get a call, and you've already done business. <laughs> I remember, I was trying to buy remote control cars for my kids, and I was out the front of a store, and it was sort of vacant, and I didn't know if their their online store was <laughs> legit or not. After that, I left a message. Wow. I think they rang me back in about March. And they're like, oh, you, you left a message. Were you interested in some remote? I'm like, you're kidding, right? Oh, it's unbelievable. doesn't take much. you just got to uh, – I mean, I, wonderful strategy being helpful. Wonderful, wonderful strategy. I, I think, listeners, if any businesses, if you, if you think you have a business that is a helpful business, I'd love – James and I would love to know how that is the case. So leave a comment in the show notes for episode 71 over at freedomocean.com if you have come across a business that has been extremely helpful. And that doesn't necessarily mean bending over backwards either, by the way. It just means, you know, providing useful content that's allowed you to make an informed decision, the right decision. That's good. Yeah, I'll, I'll give an example, actually, just, just to sort of finish up, Jimmy. There's um, the Hilton Hotels. I came across this the other day. Hilton Hotels have a Twitter account. Uh, what is it called? Is it Ask Hilton or Hilton? Uh, it skips my mind at the moment. But they actually answer any questions. They, they, they scour Twitter for people arriving in, in any city where a Hilton Hotel is. And the person might be saying, oh, I've just arrived in um, New Orleans and I'd kill for a great coffee. Now, you'd expect Hilton Hotels, what they would do is just say, oh, come to our hotel, there's a great coffee down in the, in the foyer. But what they do is they just suggest places to get a good coffee in New Orleans, right? Right. Un, un, yeah. Uh, so just in being incredibly helpful, going beyond the call of duty, beyond brand. And um, there's a great uh, this whole concept of creating creating marketing your customers want, not what your business needs. And this this is the Hilton Help one. Correct. Yeah. Can't think what it's called, but it's called Hilton something or other on Twitter. Look up Hilton on Twitter; you'll find it. Well, it's, there's a lot. There's Paris Hilton. There's Hilton Hotels. <laughs> there's Hilton Help. Uh, and they've done nine and a half thousand tweets, so they've. They're pretty active. They are pretty active. I'll tell you what, it's, I can't tell you how amazing it is to be able to use the internet and record a podcast at the same time. You're a simple man, James. Very, very simple man. I think that's what we all love about you. Some say brutal. Brutal? Brutally simple. Simply <laughs> brutal. <laughs> Two very different things. Now, mate, come episode 72, post underground, boy, oh, boy, am I expecting you to be funny. I am expecting oh. some seriously good gags. 
Well, you think it's going to happen that quick? Well, this is me after four episodes. I think I think there's a steep learning curve here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate. Well, uh, safe travels. See you when you get back. Look forward to hearing. I think there'll be some pretty interesting insights you'll bring from uh, an event like Underground. So look forward to hearing what they are. And um, listeners, thanks for tuning in. This has been Freedom Ocean, and I'm Timbo Reid. That there right there is Jimmy James Shramko. We'll see you next time. See ya. Thanks for diving into the Freedom Ocean with James Shramko and Tim Reed. You've just come that little bit closer to living the life you choose. Please keep in mind that the ideas, opinions, and information shared in the show are those of the hosts and do not reflect those of their past employers. And as far as future employers go, well, they're both pretty much unemployable. Ha, 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 ha,